Welcome to the Imbalance podcast series, hosted by Brady Technologies, your guide to short-term power markets in Europe and beyond. Good day and welcome to Imbalance. Today I'm joined by Scott Hessness, who is a pioneer of digital power markets in Norway, Sweden, Finland and Denmark. He's joined us today because we have a special episode where we'll be discussing Nordic power market history. So Scott, I was wondering if you could introduce yourself to our listeners. So my name is Scott Hesnes. I'm head of energy sales at Brady. I've been working for two and a half decades within the industry, uh, working with selling both ETRM and physical trading systems. Uh, I onboarded with Brady when... Uh, Brady acquired Navita back in 2012. Cheers. Thank you, Scott. So to set the topic for today, um, Halden, the town where you're based, which is in southern Norway, has a small-scale nuclear reactor built into a mountain, which was set up in the 1950s. And from what I understand, that nuclear reactor was the genesis of the software industry in Halden, which ultimately led to the software underpinning the short-term power markets within the entire Nordic region which, of course, is fascinating. So I'd love to hear a history behind this and any experience you can share with our listeners. So as you said, you know, the uh, the start of kind of call it our adventure into this specific sort of industry uh, was born from the Halden Reactor Project. Uh, so that takes us back to the start of the 90s. Uh, when uh, there was uh, an initiative uh, by the Norwegian government in order to establish uh, the power exchange. And one of the participants or one of the companies that were um, asked to participate in that initiative was the Institute for Energy Research. This was an initiative that, first of all, started with the Halden Reactor Project, back in the start of the 60s or end of the 50s. Um, so the Halden Reactor, uh, it was an international research program, uh, which was OECD-sponsored with 19 different member countries. And uh, here in Halden, in the middle of town, uh, built into the mountain, there is a small sort of test reactor, uh, which is nothing more than a 25-megawatt heavy water BWR-type reactor. Um so that was really the start of our initiative into sort of power trading. We started off developing power exchanges and then moved into developing the participant systems uh, for the different participants in, in the market. So from working with the power exchanges, uh, we moved into uh, the market participant systems. Uh, this was really the early days of when the joint market was looking to be established. Uh, so here in the Nordics, which covers uh, four countries, uh, Norway, Sweden, Finland, and Denmark, the drive was always to collaborate across the borders uh, so that uh, we could use the different production resources in the different countries and cover the different consumption patterns across the different countries. Uh, here in Norway, we have a lot of hydro, pretty much 98% or something like that. Obviously, there's more wind coming in now, but essentially, we're a hydro-based system. Whereas in Sweden, uh, back in the day, there was 
the nuclear, thermal, and also some hydro, as well as sort of Finland, where there was a fair amount of nuclear and thermal, as well as hydro. And then you had Denmark, uh, where there was more thermal. So the point of the whole market was to collaborate across the borders and make the best use of these different generation assets. And the point was to build a long-term electricity market corporation which could reduce risks, pull together liquidity across the borders, get better price information, get a bigger market operating, as well as attracting more investors into the market in order to invest in power production and also get better competition on the retail end of things. That was basically the starting point for why there was a drive to coordinate across the Nordics. And in the early days, there wasn't really a formal market-based model. Uh, There was a lot of collaboration between the different hydro producers. So in Norway, especially, there's pretty much been a market operating since the 70s. But it was really in the 90s where all of this was formalized. And the big milestone really was in 96, where there was an establishment of a joint Norwegian-Swedish power pool, which then was renamed into Norpool. And that was really the start. And then in 98, uh, Finland joined Norpool. And then later on, Denmark joined as well. So there's been a successive development of the market here. And if we look at Brady as a system vendor, we've evolved together with this market. So what about what made the 90s? Like why, why did something, every, suddenly everything kick off in the 90s? What was special about that? What changed? I just think that uh, the time was ripe uh, for a change. Uh, technology was moving on, although it was still early days. So we were kind of working off very much early versions of Oracle and early versions of the system software. We were innovators. Uh, We were at the forefront of development. Uh, We created the first electronic power exchange, including also uh, some of the first to actually process bids electronically into, for example, the day-ahead market uh, here in the Nordics. So I think it was kind of the, the, the technology that was a generator for for the market change, and that facilitated really the establishment of the market itself. And so, why Halden? What was so special about Halden that really caused this industry to spring up? What made it the Silicon Fjord, if you want to call it that? I think it goes back to the Halden reactor and also the uh, the Institute for Energy Technology. It had people that had worked with control room environments, developing systems. Uh, they had psychologists that were working on screens and how to do the layout of, of the screens. Uh, they had a lot of initiative and a lot of expertise when it came to software development. And we basically came from that environment. Uh, we were a spin-off uh, from EFA, uh, from the man-machine unit that was a part of EFA. And it was really uh, from here that things developed. And I guess moving forward a bit further along, um, LBAS, the market, I think it's the electricity balancing. I understand that was launched in Finland and Sweden in 1999. Uh, can you talk a bit about that? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, as I mentioned, there is a difference in the different production assets across the Nordics. Obviously, as I also mentioned, uh, in Finland and Sweden, they have a base of thermal. Uh, and for them, it became important to have really an intraday market. And the Elbas market, which was created in 99, as you mentioned, that was really the start of intraday trading uh, and also continuous trading. Um, sort of after uh, the day ahead market has been completed, then the Elbath market uh, took over and the participants could adjust their uh, positions, their net positions. So if they saw that there was a requirement to fine tune their positions, they could do that in the Elbath uh, market. For the Norwegians, obviously, with Hydro, uh, adjusting the positions uh, isn't that uh, imperative. Uh, so that was one of the reasons why Finland and Sweden were really the drivers on the Elbas. So where is Elbas now? Um, what's happened to it? Well, the Elbas has sort of evolved into the uh, Norpool intraday market as we know it today. So that was really kind of uh, the first version of, of the intraday market. So that's where we are today. Uh, Elbas became uh, Norpool intraday. So looking a bit further afield, I've always viewed Norway as being a very hydroelectric rich uh, country, however, with very few consumers. So it's always to me being a place for continental, so German, Netherlands, Danish uh, uh, power consumers to get renewable resources. Has that always been the case? If you look back in time, has it always been that sort of connection with the continent and then an important uh, downstream market for Norwegian production? There certainly is a connection with the continent. We have interconnectors and obviously uh, in terms of power production, uh, the good thing with Norway is that it has the flexibility in order to generate electricity. Uh, it has the big magazines or reservoirs and it can flex power production up and down uh, in a totally different way than you can on the continent with the thermal-based system. So uh, that was really the start, as I mentioned, why the Nordic market became important is because depending upon the year and the season and the conditions, uh, Norway could be either a net exporter or a net importer, depending upon, you know, obviously the precipitation levels, the snow magazines uh, in the mountains, etc., and the inflow into the rivers and the production levels that were available and the amount of water that you have in the reservoirs. Uh, so obviously, during years when there were, uh, you know, uh, a lot of rain, uh, perhaps a little bit milder than there was overproduction in Norway, whereas in other years when it was very cold during the winters and less snow, less rain, then we would be importing more from Sweden. And that connection with Europe, that uh, connection with the Nordic markets, with the European markets, is that something that's only been recently relevant to you or is that something that's been relevant quite a long time? No, I mean, I think we've always kept an eye on, on Europe and obviously Germany has always been a, an important factor, even for the Nordic market. I think there's a big difference there again in, in the Nordic market. You know, if you look at who's really been active down in Europe, from a Nordic perspective, then certainly it's uh, the Danish uh, big power companies. Uh, they are kind of sitting on the gateway into 
to Europe, and they've also been very proactive down in Germany, and they've made a lot of money in trading. Uh, you know, the Danes have long traditions of being a trading nation, much like the Dutch. So they're very good at that, and they've optimized their position of sitting in between sort of the Nordic and North, and then sort of Europe down south. And I guess that kind of moves to another point. Um, you've obviously worked quite a long time in developing market trading software, so you've been at the forefront of that. At the same time, you're talking quite a bit about environmental factors, weather, snow, rain, and all that. So have you seen a corresponding development of uh, weather forecasting software as the market trading software has been developed in the Nordic region? Yes, I think uh, definitely there has. Obviously, as systems have developed and uh, the software is able to to work more real-time, and that is definitely something that's happening in the, the energy industry and power trading sector. Uh, we're moving from, you know, originally uh, we were very much working from weekly plans. Uh, so the companies would uh, really be looking at a week at a time, Uh that then got broken down into different time segments or time blocks of sort of uh, peak hours and off-peak hours. And then we moved into hours. And now, as we do the European harmonization, we're moving now into 15 minutes, uh, which will then give us even greater time resolution. And obviously, as there is a drive towards more real-time, the forecasting also needs to become more advanced and it certainly has evolved much more, especially when you look at uh, the way in which wind has you know, become much more of a bigger factor in the production assets. Indeed, uh, we're definitely seeing an increase in the requirements for good forecasting and alongside that, the development and forecasting technology as we see an increase in the cadence of uh, power markets. So moving to a, a different type of market, uh, but still a market, uh, I was wondering if you could give us any history on the Nordic futures markets or if you want to call them forward markets. Yeah, I mean, uh, originally when the market was set up, there was a lot of take-or-pay contracts. There was a lot of physical contracts, uh, you know, with forward delivery, uh, etc. However, as the market evolved, uh, there was really uh, not a split, but there was a division between the financial markets, which are pretty much futures-based, and the underlying physical uh, spot market and uh, the physical markets for delivery. So basically what they're doing in, in Norway mainly is they're obviously trading the physical and then they are hedging and locking in their prices in the futures markets. And they've always done that. That's always been part of the mix. Yes, I mean, they, they started off uh, relatively early. I mean, that was already happening I remember back in 96, uh, that was when those markets were developing. And uh, I actually worked for OM, uh, which is the sort of, it, or it was the Stockholm Stock Exchange, uh, which was the, the financial part. And, and they were instrumental in creating the financial market here in the Nordics. And I remember we we implemented the, the financial markets and we did all the training of the participants. And uh, that was, was happening sort of 
during the period of sort of 98, 99 into the 2000s. So if you think of like a commodities exchange, the traditional view of it is a pit in Chicago with the guys screaming and shouting and that uh, furor. I guess what I'm hearing from you is it's always been electronic in the Nordics, the futures markets. It was uh, phone-based uh, on the early days. I remember walking into the Liverpool offices and uh, during the first uh, sort of, I would say, I'm not quite sure, but let's say the first sort of two, four years, uh, then they had uh, phones, they had big whiteboards, they had a big room. Uh, so they had a kind of a small pit. It wasn't one of the big sort of exchange pits that you're kind of envisaging. Uh, it was uh, much more of a sort of clinical operation, but they were doing a lot of the registration of trades on whiteboards and sort of manually uh, entering. But it very quickly evolved into an electronic-based, uh, you know, exchange operation uh, because that was part of the parcel of what OM was doing. They were both uh, the sort of stock on stock exchange, but they were also a big, major software developer delivering exchange systems to lots of different exchanges across the world. And do you think that's why they took over um, the, the company that was spun out of the Man Machine Group? Yes, definitely. Uh, that was one of the reasons why they uh, they took over Handel Scandinavia, which was a spin-off from EFA. Uh, one of the major reasons was that we actually won the uh, California Power Exchange to deliver the, the main sort of central system in California uh, on the sort of physical day ahead and uh, the sort of short-term power markets there. And in order to get that deal, we needed to have slightly bigger company backing us and OM that was interested in moving from more the sort of financial slash commodity sector into energy, they saw that as an opportunity uh, to expand uh, into energy. So could you tell us a bit more about the Californian Power Exchange project? Because what I understand in a nutshell, that was the developments, all those years of developments in Halden that Silicon Fjord effectively exporting that technology to California, so Silicon Valley. Um, so I'd be really interested to hear more about that. It's, it's fascinating. Yeah, it was a big project. Uh, it was, you know, even today, I think it's, it's one of the major software export uh, projects that's been done from Norway. Uh, it was a big operation. We established offices in Pasadena. We had, uh, you know, at the height of it, probably about 15 people uh, based in California. And we had a development uh, unit here in in Halden with probably about 10, 15 people as well. And we delivered the project in record time. We actually got a bonus for early completion. Uh, so it was a successful delivery. Uh, obviously, the reason that the Californian power market didn't quite succeed was more the sort of local conditions and uh, obviously they didn't have enough production and prices were high etc so it probably never took off to the certain extent as as the nordic power exchange uh, has done indeed the uh, california power market in and of itself is uh is a long fascinating story um i find it very intriguing that there's a small town uh, in norway which had such a large part in the development of it. It's a story I personally had not heard before. So moving away from markets and uh, market prices, 
let's talk about ESET, the uh, settlement system in the Nordic zone. So I wonder if you could give us a lowdown of the system and the history behind it. So previously, you know, before ESET was established, uh, each of the TSOs, so you have FinGrid in Finland, StarkNet, Norway, and Svenska Kraftnet, and then you have EnergiNet uh, in Denmark. So all of them would be doing sort of the imbalanced settlement uh, separately. Uh, so, for example, here in Norway, you know, StatNet, they were doing the imbalanced settlement um and then there was a decision to consolidate that. Uh, the reason is that they wanted to have a joint, you know, program or process in order to do all the imbalance settlements because participants are obviously trading across the borders. Uh, they have both the trade and they also have retail sales spanning across the different countries. So, uh, the whole reason for establishing ESET was to support this process uh, and uh, that was uh, implemented in 2017. <clears throat> uh, so that was a sort of joint NBS Nordic Balance Settlement. Uh, initially, it was just for Finland, Norway, Sweden. And then in uh, sort of February uh, 21, then Denmark also joined. So now we have a completely... Nordic-based balance uh, scheme uh, program. It's effectively one large energy grid, but it's managed by four different TSOs. Would you call it that? In, in principle, yes. So this brings up to our last topic for today. Uh, I'd just like to cover the TSO data hubs. So from what I understand, Denmark has its data hub. Uh, it was the first to launch one. Um, Norway has its one called LHub, and Finland and Sweden will be launching theirs in the coming years. Scott, could you just explain what they are and how they benefit the industry? Yeah, so uh, as you said, you know, they are a little bit country specific, the data hubs or the LHubs. Uh, so the Danish data hub, which is operated by Energinet, uh, it was established already in 2013. That was kind of an initial uh, version of it. Uh, and then the sort of solution and services surrounding the Danish Data Hub underwent, you know, continuous improvements. In 2016, they also transitioned into what can be called a supplier-centric model, uh, which means that the electricity supplier is the one that's responsible for all the customer communications, uh, including all the billing, meaning that the customer gets one invoice and it's up to the suppliers to really manage the sort of grid companies and the TSO payments. Uh, basically, they have to manage their cost of sales in a way, if you want to look at it in, in that respect. Um, and then the Norwegian L-Hub was an initiative that was started slightly later. It went live February 2019. And it was really a step change for digitizing the whole power market. It's, it's a way of establishing a central hub which sits between the grid companies and the power suppliers, whereby they're collecting all these sort of uh, managing the meter data and supporting some of the central market processes. So they're basically delivering a sort of clean and standard interface for facilitating efficient exchange of data. So it gives the, the different grid companies have specific gate closures for when they have to deliver the meter data 
and it has to be done in a specific format so that you can have the whole process from end to end moving into sort of settlements uh, much more efficiently uh, done uh, by the different companies. And the Finnish and Swedish ones, will they be the same as the Norwegian one? It's on the roadmap. Uh, so the Finnish one looks like it's going to be coming before uh, the Swedish one. Uh, so we'll have to see how that evolves. Um, so there are some initial plans there, uh, but uh, we'll have to see. Uh, the data hubs and L hubs are big initiatives. Uh, we know from both the Danish one and the Norwegian one, you know, it's a considerable effort. And typically these projects take, you know, one to two years to implement. There's a lot of regulatory stuff that needs to be put in place. Laws need to be changed. All the different distribution companies need to be prepared, as well as all the different retailers. Systems need to be upgraded. They need to have all the different interfaces redone. All the customer information, billing systems need to be put in place. So it's a massive effort. So uh, I think uh, we'll just have to keep an eye on, on what happens and see when that actually comes to fruition and when it goes live. So that wraps it up for our episode today, guys. Scott, thank you so much for joining. I found your insights and your experience fascinating. And I'm sure our listeners will as well. We will be doing a follow-up episode on the future of Nordic power markets in the following months. So please look out for that. Uh, next month, I'll be back on with Chris and uh, Murray. You can reach out to Scott at scott.hestenes at bradyplc.com. That's H-E-S-T-E-N-E-S. And myself, Fraser McDonald at fraser.mcdonald at bradyplc.com. Follow Brady for more great content and insights. Have a good one and happy trading. Mm-hmm.